Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This is the second part of my conversation with Scott Brown, co-founder of Housemaid Hospitality. In this part, we discuss the genesis of Housemaid and how Scott and his team began to make their mark in the ultra-competitive Sydney hospitality scene. I hope you enjoy it. So uh, just moving on to, at some stage, you would have decided that coming back home was the next step. So we're here now. Yeah, so I decided to move back to Australia and think I'd been away for over 20 years and really missed the Australian lifestyle, the beach, the water, the sun, the food. Had never thought about doing a restaurant or a cafe or anything F&B wise in, in Sydney because I just thought the market was always too strong and too good and too powerful too and, competitive. and too competitive. Okay. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know whether I could compete in that market, to be completely honest. I didn't think that there was any gaps in the market or whether we could create a product that the people would like or but I guess we got to the stage in New Zealand that we kind of like maxed out in, in Auckland and there wasn't much appetite to do anything any other centre in Auckland, in New Zealand, sorry. So I guess Sydney was now or never. If you're ever going to do it, then now's the time. Had you had made the decision to start hospitality in Sydney when you came <laughs> back or did you come back with like, okay, I'm not, I haven't got anything on the horizon, I might have a breather? That's right. There was no firm business plan to uh, launch back into the hospitality market in Sydney. It was uh, a theory that I was testing and spent a little while testing whether it was right for me in my career and development, whether it was the right thing to do from a financial point of view as well. Although I'd run businesses in New Zealand and hotels around the world, you know, still coming back to the big city of Sydney and doing a, a something for yourself was quite daunting, to be totally honest. What was the tipping point where you said, <laughs> okay, I'm doing it, I'm all in again? <laughs> uh, well, enter Mr. Justin Newton, which is one of the business partners here at Hinchcliffe House and in Housemaid Hospitality, where he was very positive about the food and beverage market in Sydney. <laughs> and he'd spent a lot of time with Murrayvale, Keystone, Toga TFE, Line Breweries and had a very good knowledge of the marketplace and he had a, a very strong passion to do something. And I thought, well, why not? If he's passionate enough and wanting to do it, then let's do something together. And what was the first thing you, you settled on back here? Well, the first thing we acid tested some theories on product and design and in a small way at Good One Cafe in Bondi, which was a great success. Took two months, three months for everyone to get used to it down in Bondi and they really loved it after that. So that was the first stepping stone back into the New Zealand, sorry, Australian market. And then that gave us the confidence to do something bigger and better. There was two things that Justin was tasked with, was one, finding the site, and so it had to be a great site, it had to be able to trade at 24-7, 365, had to have enough scale to afford some senior leadership, had to have something for everybody, uh, from that $3, $4 coffee through to that $250 dining experience. So that was the location challenge. And then the other challenge was the team. We needed to go out and get a ownership management leadership structure that had the customer service ethos um, and the management, which Justin 
take, brought to the table. We need to find a chef that had the most fantastic culinary skills, but was cool, calm and collected and had a business brain. And so we were lucky enough to find Stephen Seckold. We needed a beverage gentleman or person or lady, whoever, a <laughs> beverage person that was the best in their field and had the knowledge and the expertise and, and the mana to have a, an impact in our beverage program. The last and most crucial person in the mix was the governance, the finance. And uh, there was a lot of scary things in the industry happening with underpayment and theft and big businesses going south very quickly. And, and so we were able to find through Justin's contacts, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Roger Gregg. So you had to find this team before settling on settling on a location? Before we opened, we, we had three of the four locked in upon signing of the lease here at Hinchcliffe House. So this was the next one after a good this, one? This is it. This is it. <laughs> the big one. It's four levels of, just so that people understand where we're at, this is Hinchcliffe House. It's in the Loftus Lane precinct, developed by AMP Capital. It's an incredible heritage conversion of an old wool, wool store. What did you land on in how to fill this space? I mean, there's four <laughs> levels of it. <laughs> it's four levels, 1,000 square metres, plus an additional um, tenancy next door of another 60-odd square metres. Yeah, it was a, a very blank canvas. I, mean, I remember walking through with the great AMP team in the very early days when it was just a, a broken-down building with graffiti and shitty fibro and crappy lights, and I could see the potential. I could see the bones and we got the creative team together and we started formulating a plan of what a possibly a fantastic food and beverage product could look like in this part of the city. A lot of toing and froing back in the early days of the design process. We finally managed to land on a, a product that I think the market has appreciated and enjoyed. What was happening in the area? Had the construction started for Loftus or was it? Yeah, they were deep in the hole. So building the, the car parks underneath us to build the other three towers around us. And the actual building that we're in now was totally vacant and decrepit. Had, nothing had happened in here for, I think, 10 or 12 years. Were there particular lessons that you were wanting to implement from your experiences back in New Zealand as to what you wanted to do in um, in Australia now? Yeah, I guess the, the same values and ideas that we took from the hotel days into hip group days and now into housemaid days is the same things about, you know, creating that wonderful experience for the customers as, as much as we can do from a design ambience point of view, from a food product, beverage product point of view, and then also focusing on the, on the, the staff culture. They were what we were very focused on from the, the early outset. The challenge with this site was being the heritage conversion, as you mentioned, and also trying to fit in what we wanted to do within very, very fixed footprints. It was a great 12 months of juggling and reformatting and reevaluating concepts to make sure that they could fit within the, the four walls. And so you've landed on this one, you've got the tendencies next door as well, but you've got a bar underneath. And then how have you split your, your offering to the consumers? Yeah, so we, we wanted something that could be traded from six o'clock in the morning through till four o'clock the following morning. That was basically in operation for nearly 24 hours. We wanted something that would hit obviously the corporate market Monday, Friday, but was good enough for the leisure market to use us on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights and the weekends and wanted something wow and experiential enough that both domestic and international tourists would want to immerse themselves in our product. And it doesn't matter if it's for a coffee and a croissant at six o'clock in the morning for a local tradie or a, a tourist that's out and exploring the city for you know six seven eight dollars or it's a it's a celebratory dinner in lana and you're spending three hundred four hundred dollars a head up and down that price point we've got something for you 
at all different times of the of the day. It's just very rewarding, and I think that's the drive for me personally, and in, and in the business life, is creating something and then seeing the customers using it as you initially envisaged and in the creation. And, and there's a lot of sense of achievement and satisfaction in seeing customers using your products in the building the way that you initially intended. You mentioned you had some doubts about coming back to Australia and, and starting hospitality just because of whether you could actually edge your way into it and whether there was enough to accommodate another group. But you obviously had done it and you'd tested a few things and they worked. So was there a particular point of difference that you thought that you were going to be offering which would allow you to edge your way in and how does house-made hospitality differentiate itself from, from other... I think there's a couple of key factors that, and not saying that other hospitality groups don't do that, but this is what we just focus on. We really try to focus on the value proposition in broad terms, the, the, the food or the beverage on the plate or in the glass. Does that, when it gets put down in front of you, do you think that's really good value straight away? And then if we can achieve that, we can layer up that value proposition by the ambience, the product, the physical infrastructure, and then also the service culture and service infrastructure as well. So we create this really, really strong value proposition. We like to think of consistency as one of our core values. We like to think that every time you come, then you'll get a very consistent product value proposition service experience. Those were two key things. And then also we kind of like thought that we could try to do something slightly different or new to market as far as the design decor product as well I mean everything has been done before in the hospitality scene but we kind of like didn't want to just do the same same and do what was expected going back on mentors there's a, a lovely gentleman by the name of Kevin Roberts that was a good hip group customer and he was involved in Saatchi and Saatchi amongst other things I spent a bit of time with him and he was, was probably one of a good mentor not only to myself but to the wider hip group leadership team and he came and spoke on a couple of occasions one of the many takeaways from him but one of the things that keeps resonating with me even today is like don't give the customers what they expected give them something they never thought possible that's kind of like what we try to do here and on a daily basis is let's not, not do the normal hospitality this is how we do things let's try to push the boundaries and try to give the customer something special memorable talkable and you know that's probably the the hardest thing in the business now for me once it's up to this level is trying to get the experienced and talented hospitality staff trying to push them along try to think of ways that we can do this wonderful hospitality experience but do it in something new or something that you'd never thought possible before but also over and over consistently as well i mean it's pretty special to be achieving that especially because it's at such a high level over such a, an extended period of time as well plus you have to bring your entire staff along with that it's pointless if it's just yourself who expects it if it doesn't actually translate into that's right and you've got to get everybody on the same page and everybody's got to want to do it and and i, and I think that's part of our culture piece is that Everybody has a say, everybody is tasked with trying to do something wonderful, memorable, recognisable, talkable, you know, on a daily basis to our customers. You allow people to come in for the ride and, yeah. yeah. And some people don't like it. We lose a lot of experienced people because they just don't like working in this new way of doing things. Like, I prefer to go back to the old structured way and this is how we do things and let's not change what has been done in hospitalities for centuries. Coming to an organisation which sells, which does things a bit differently and some of their ideas that they bring in aren't received as much as what they think they would be received because of their experience and their mana in past experience jobs where we do things a bit a bit different. But that just comes down to fit. 
Right? Yeah, that's yeah. Right. If, you, if you're a fit, you'll have a great time Correct. and you'll do some amazing things. Correct. But if you're not, well, the thing I wanted to understand is choosing where to set up. These are one-off buildings. They don't appear often, if ever. And with your particular way of your service offering, would you say that you make the market or in terms of choosing where to open up or do you understand that there's a need that needs to be filled or is it just opportunistic you know something like Hinchcliffe where it's just you've got to jump on it we need to do things that are special and for that we need the whole team from the development side of things to be on that same journey as well so the speciality here obviously was this historic beautiful building in this beautiful key quarter lanes development from AMP capital but also there's the landlord or your project partners need to be on the same journey. So they want to, they, we've got to bring them along the journey and hopefully that they want to create something special as well and feel proud about what we're achieving. So in the very early stage with the product generation ideas coming through, we work very closely with the development teams, landlords, just to make sure that we're all on the same journey and that they're going to help and facilitate some of the crazy ideas that you want to, to bring to market. And so we've said no to a lot of other sites based on that we don't believe that the creative drive or the the willingness to do something special and unique and memorable would be coming from the project team. So it's quite important for us moving forward and in, in our next couple of ventures that we've signed up for is we believe that the project team, landlord, stakeholders are all aligned about creating something wonderful and memorable because it's... Um, it's just too hard if, if, if everybody's not on the same page. And these are very personable businesses to us when we design them, create them, build them, and then operate them. This is our livelihood. This is our where we spend our most amount of our waking hours. We've got to feel very passionate about it. And if we don't get that same passion or same drive from the project, project teams, stakeholders, landlords, whatever it is, then we quite quickly say no. I look around here at Lana and this is not exactly something that you intend on dismantling in uh, a couple of years' time. It's here for the long run. So it's actually really an interesting point about the landlord having such a having the buy-in on the on the creative side. I actually didn't realise that also was quite important to yeah, oh, I guess it would be in a precinct like this. Definitely yeah. in a precinct like this, but I've just felt from my experience the best results for the customers and the staff come from when we've got the tenant landlord relationship down pattern on the same page and I've seen how wonderful things can happen when that's harmonious and thriving and on the flip side I've seen how things can turn negative and disastrous when it's not and case in points Mr Peter Cooper deck in um, Brudermart he's got a fantastic vision and what he's done down there is nothing short of world-class exceptional and I just feel very privileged to be a part of that back then and learnt a lot from developing the precincts and working together with other tenancies and master planning and it's you can create something wonderful for everyone's on the same page. Moving forward from Hinchcliffe, were there other venues that have been established since then? Uh, no, not not yet. We're head down in a couple of projects. Nothing has opened as we talk today. We've got a beautiful location right on Bondi Beach in the newly refurbed Bondi Pavilion. should be opening summer, four months, five months away, hopefully. That's been a fantastic opportunity for us and we're very grateful for that and we're, we're looking forward to opening that one up and then we've got another couple of things happening up around here that are getting close to signing. Is there um, an end goal for what you want to want this to become or is it again it's just a journey and something that you're obviously incredibly passionate about yeah. and no end goal but as long as we're growing at a steady safe rate as long as we're creating wonderful customer experiences doing something unique 
as long as we've got a great team with a good solid culture and as long as we've got some just some nice profitable cash flow coming through the businesses then life's good just on the point of innovation something that's quite interesting because you mentioned you you know just gone on a trip you you sort of mix business and pleasure as well how do you look for ways to do things differently or to bring fresh ideas into a business that aims to do something different with every every venue so you're constantly challenged for what to do next what's great where do you look for that i think the only way to do it is to immerse yourself in other cultures whether it's for three or four nights or for a week or two i've learned over the years uh, with travel and trying to get ideas that you've really just got to base yourself You've got to get under the skin of a city or a town. You've got to live like a local, talk to as many locals as possible. And I spent a lot of time just observing people about how they're using particular businesses and fit them into their lifestyles. And I do a lot of reading, obviously, like everyone does, and a lot of social media scrolling, which everyone <laughs> does. But until you actually get physically on the ground in a city and you immerse yourself as much as you possible and get into the into the local way of life, you really, really understand about what makes those businesses work in those particular communities. You said about looking at what parts of that business or style or operation or design can I bring back to, to my community, Sydney, and would the market respond to it in the same way? Would you say that there are particular trends in hospitality? Yeah, there's lots of trends. They come from all parts of the world and it's just a matter of working out which trend is just a trend or a fad and will go very shortly or which has got longevity and legs and that that the local market that you bring into will appreciate and and whether it's profitable in terms of amenity or or fit out these kinds of venues they they last for a a long time so Mm. that's why i was asking that Mm. question because a trend also implies that that it comes and and it goes but in some ways it actually has to stay Stay. and stay relevant Yeah. yeah and so that i think is is tricky in itself as well yeah we try to stay away from anything that's too trendy we try to look at long term where the market's going to be and what the market wants um you know anything that's too gimmicky or trendy or instagram or TikToky, then we kind of like stay away from we'd like to sign 20 year leases 10 by 10s or longer so yeah. we've got to have something that can can last the distance so longevity covid was uh, obviously a challenging period and and that can land in any phase of a, of a project's life cycle. So we've obviously still going through it. You know, there's Lisa, you know, Hinchcliffe House would have been signed before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've had to navigate pretty challenging periods. So I wouldn't mind getting into some of the some of the things that you've done to enable you to make it through these kinds of periods. Was there something that fundamentally changed with COVID, with the way that you ran the businesses? I think throwing the rule book out was the first thing that was great about COVID. And that was news to my ears because I like to do things a bit differently and challenge the norm and think that brought a lot of other hospitality people along that journey is we don't have to do xyz anymore this is a a new playing field it's the the new frontier we can do we have to do things differently because we're not going to survive the way we've been doing things and doubled up on the COVID thing is now as our other inflationary pressures and staffing shortages so the rule book's definitely gone out the window and that started with the COVID onset and I think one of the things that we were very lucky here is to have a fantastic landlord. I think that took a lot of the stress away. A&P Capital really came to the party and was a great partner to have through that period. And uh, I just feel totally blessed and very lucky that we had A&P Capital as a partner 
through that period and it just goes to show that when you're choosing a partner to go through these projects these are the times that you want to have the partner that's on the same trajectory as you nobody knew when we signed the heads that uh, what we we're about to go through together but with the right team and the, and the right drive to do what they wanted to do and what we wanted to do we're on the same page so we're very lucky to have AMP as a as a partner do you think COVID has changed the way hospitality businesses present to the the people that use the spaces the consumers because it's still fundamentally a, a people-to-people business so you still need to interact has that part of it changed or because yeah. you still yeah. need people to sit in the seats we do we do um, but we're also looking at ways that we can expand our brands look at ways that we can create still that great customer service without using as many people using technology wherever we can using data wherever we can to fine-tune our marketing or our sales mix or whatever brought a lot more business sense to the hospitality environment looking back over your years as a hospitality entrepreneur what would be some of your key observations about business success business success i guess passion i think that's got to be the first one from my experience the most successful businesses have had very passionate leaders that have had a great clear direction normally a lot of hard work and not afraid to to do the hard work and and make the decisions and tough decisions and go through the hard times it's i see a lot of people giving up or not wanting to do it because of the hard work i think that you only live once you've got to give things a go every job's tough you can make any job tough if you want to make it tough but you can make also make any job or any business fun and fantastic if you have that positive mindset finding a business that you're passionate about or finding a vacation that you're passionate about and really setting your mind saying that i'm going to do the utmost fantastic job or drive this business or enjoy this business and just be really 100% in if you're 80% in 90% in and then it's not enough you've got to be 100% in 100% focused 100% passionate and and do some hard yards until you're feeling comfortable that you've got the results that you need that you can take your time off and you don't have to do 100% hard yards 365 five years in a row you, you should be taking your time away from the business and to recalibrate refocus refresh and I think that's where a lot of successful business people do as well. They know when they have to turn it on, when to work hard, but equally they can they can turn it off as well and um, recharge, relax, refocus, recalibrate. Do you find you completely switch off if you're trying to reset yourself or are you you know in more of like maintenance mode? Yeah, just in maintenance, maintenance mode. mode. I, like, I like still like to be attached just to feel for my own sanity that things are still open and working and the money's still coming in the doors. We're not jumping off a cliff or doing anything <laughs> silly. But also I love the guys stepping up and taking control of the business while you're not there as well and giving them the sense of achievement they themselves get from knowing that they can run a very busy big profitable business by themselves as well i imagine that being incredibly rewarding for both it's great it means i've done my job well enough that i've given them the tools skills resources knowledge environment to do it and and, and they get a, a huge self satisfaction achievement I can ask you one final question. This one might be a bit of a challenging <laughs> one because you've got such a broad history, but what would you say is one of your fondest memory to date in, in business and, and why does it stand out? Oh my gosh, so many. I think um, I think the Richmond Road winning Cafe of the Year, that was the first tick. I think winning New Zealand's best ice cream with our newly created gelato flavours, I think that was a big tick, won that a couple of years, won Cafe of the Year a couple of years, so I think that was good to give you the the confidence to go further and for the team as well just as importantly 
being able to create a wonderful food environment in New Zealand, being able to access some of the food that we did and some of the programs that we ran with the, the beef and the lamb and, you know, being able to help some of the growers that we worked with that were going to turn their back on the land because of prices or infrastructure that were able to give them another avenue for their goods that they actually felt passionate about growing and everything that that kind of like gave me a great sense of achievement seeing your staff grow up and develop from a young 17 year old boy who was flighty and thought he was too cool for school growing up and 10 years later owning his own business having a house having getting married and having two children that's being being able to give him the opportunity and the I guess the direction to do that impacting people's lives I think has been great like giving giving people the opportunity to achieve their personal goals as well as their business goals is probably what gets me out of bed the most. Scott thank you so much for <laughs> speaking with me today really looking forward to, to sharing this and I, I can't thank you enough for being with me today. Not a problem at all it's been great chatting. This is the end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Scott's journey and the amazing insights developed and honed over two decades of hard work, unrelenting passion, and focus on quality. Through this episode, I've really come to appreciate the sweat, skill, and stress, but also immense satisfaction that goes into developing hospitality real estate. It is, without doubt, one of the most difficult property development niches to succeed in. Scott, this was a thoroughly enlightening episode to put together. Thanks again for sharing your insights and stories. I'd also like to make special mention to Martin Lewenberger, who introduced me to Scott and Housemaid Hospitality. If you remember back to episode two of this season, Marty also recommended Luke Rust, so he's had a significant part to play in the amazing people I've been fortunate to speak with. Marty, a big thank you for thinking of this podcast and for connecting me with such wonderful people. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please take a second to rate this podcast on your favourite listening platform. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Well, that's it from me for this month. I look forward to sharing the next month's episode with you over the coming weeks. Take care and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Business and Property Development. Join us next month for more insights from people whose business is property. To subscribe and listen to other episodes, head over to businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au.